Welcome to Girl, Water Your Grass. We talk about all the things to better yourself, your family, your career, your dreams, your goals, and your life, and how God's dreams over us are so much bigger than our own. We are just two girlfriends who grew up in the bluegrass state of Kentucky with five brothers each and have reunited to take our dreams to the next level. Now we're inviting you to get out of your own way, girlfriend, and come on this ride because on this journey of a lifetime, we never arrive. Welcome to Girl Water Your Grass. Today, we are talking about something that is part of all of our lives. And, you know, we called it fighting well, and we don't actually mean fighting. We just mean that, you you know, we're all human and sometimes we agree and sometimes we disagree. And I think it makes us uncomfortable whenever we have to have hard conversations and do hard things. And we were just talking about, this is a part of life and we avoid it instead of actually discuss it and do it well. Exactly. Yeah. Because the thing is we all, in order, honestly, to have good relationships with people, you're going to have times where you disagree with things. You know, you're going to things you're going to have to work through. You've heard MK and I talk about it, even in our sisterhood and our friendship, we've had to work through things. And that's honestly why we become such good friends. And we still will. Like it's it's never over, right? Because we're all human. We all fail. We all think differently. Praise God. So boring if we were all the same and robotic. And he gave us the gift of free will. So we all have, have choices. And I think the tendency is to think that we have it right and that right. someone else is wrong. And I think curiosity is a huge component in learning to fight and disagree well. Yes. I think both curiosity and then also something I've been really learning a lot is empathy. You know, we've been talking a lot about that actually in marriage prep, that when you are having a you know a disagreement or a challenging conversation with your significant other, that coming to it from a place of both curiosity and empathy and really mm-hmm. trying to understand where the other person is coming from. Like something that I realized was a challenge for me to, to realize was, okay, you don't have to agree with the person in order to be empathetic though, with where they're coming mm-hmm. from, you know, yeah. which is where I, I realized, Oh, wait a second. I've been putting those on the same space, like, oh, I, I can only be empathetic if I also agree. And then as I started digging into that, I realized, oh, wait a second, those are, those are not dependent of each other. <laughs> I love that, Maria. And it really yeah. speaks to me in light of where we are in the world today that, you know, I remember growing up like Republicans and Democrats could be friends. Hey, they could even be married right. and you could think differently than people and just have a, a healthy discussion about it, which I think is actually very good. because we seek to understand. And now there's just so much hate of like, they're wrong and I'm right. And let's face it, people, none of us have it all figured out this side of heaven. Mm -hmm. Right. And so just, um, I love what father Ken always says. I'm not right. I'm not left. I'm just Catholic, but (laughs) you know, he always says, but, um, you know, there, there are moral absolutes in life, but really thinking of you can be different and and disagree with people and still love them well and have empathy and seek to understand and, and get curious about why they hold on to this truth because, and have that disagreement because that's how we actually move the needle. Yes. 
So good. And I think we've seen this a lot also in, in coaching different women with, within the context of some, you know, some of them are having struggles in, in their marriages. And one of the things that we've seen come up a lot is usually there's a lack of gratitude and a lack of appreciation, you know, and for it lasts for 15 seconds. Yes. <laughs> and, and just a, um, sometimes also an avoidance of challenging conversations or a vulnerability or of intimacy, you know, all those things that something that I remember one of, I had a counselor some years back who something that he would say that I thought was so powerful was he said, you know, intimacy and vulnerability are the two things that everyone's the most afraid of. And it's also the two things that everyone desires the most mm. to actually be seen and known and loved there. So we all desire it, but it's something that many of us are, are very scared of. And depending what our, what our experiences in life have been, sometimes we've had experiences that have taught us, oh, you know, to be vulnerable, to be open, to have dialogue isn't safe. And then we shy away from it when in reality, learning to have those hard conversations, learning to actually fight well, if you will, or disagree well, you know, is, it is a skill, but it's something that we can all learn and we can all work from, work on. Absolutely. And I love that, you know, vulnerability, take a page out of Brene Brown's book. If you haven't read it, Daring Greatly is an amazing book on vulnerability yeah. and, you know, take the gold, leave the dirt, but she has a lot of great wisdom there on how vulnerability is actually courage when done in the proper, the yeah. proper place, you know, not seeking attention and, and not before you're at a place of really being able to, with the right audience, with the right person, but let's really get into some of what Dr. Gott, is it Dr. Gottman? Is he a yeah. doctor? tells yeah, us mm -hmm. about fighting well and the tendencies of where we as humans tend to go and being aware of that so that we can ward against that and actually fight well. Yeah. He talks a lot about, you know, the, the four things that you really want to avoid. He calls the four horsemen and those are criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. And so we, each one. Yeah. So if we talk about criticism, Gosh, we've all been in that place before, you know? So for example, um, you know, maybe there is, there, there is a difference between complaining and criticism. Okay. So for example, my, my husband was, was watching the kids and he put the diaper on backwards. Right? <laughs> like he doesn't actually do that anymore. He's changed thousands <laughs> of diapers, yeah. but you know, like he's trying to help. And he's there doing the best he can. And just because our husbands don't do things just like our way, why do we feel the need to go criticize them? Yes. We're trying to help. And it immediately mm -hmm. emasculates them as well. Right. Totally. I heard this example and, and I thought it was, it was so good. It was, you know, a complaint, a complaint might be like, you know, okay, I was scared you were running late and you know, you didn't call me. And I thought we had agreed that we would do that for each other. Right. So there's just, there's sort of a neutrality was, you know, I was, gosh, this was my internal reaction and this is what happened. And, and I thought that we were going to, right. Whereas the criticism for that would be, oh my gosh, you never think about how your behavior is affecting other people. I don't believe you are that forgetful. You're just selfish. You never think of others. You never think of me. So it's, it's almost assuming the bad, <laughs> And making it mean these, when we make these generalities of always and never, like you never do this, you never do that's None of them are ever true. And none of them are ever helpful. Yeah. Um, those generalities of always, as I'm just saying, not never, yeah. always, <laughs> never are really extremes are really important to be aware of. Um, so really just think about, am, am I generalizing this? It's not true that my husband never calls me or, you know, we, we tend to see the bad, right? Yeah. 
that always and never, that's such a good point because those hyperbolisms, they will get you in trouble. They will so much. Really well, and they don't serve us, yeah, right? They, they don't, don't serve the Lord. They don't serve us. Um, all right. Let's talk about the tendency to stonewall or to avoid actually having those hard discussions and we want to run away. We want to avoid it. We want to give the silent treatment. Oftentimes we'll become passive aggressive. You know, um, what does my husband always say? You've probably heard me say on here before. Oh, how was your day? Fine. The word fine is not allowed in our house. He says fine is a four letter word and it's one that's not allowed. It's so good. You know, like what, was it terrible? Great. I want to hear about it. Was it, you know, was it okay? Was it just a normal day? Was it, but fine is not fine. He's like, when a woman says fine, you know, it's not fine. Right. <laughs> we have that. Right like, yeah. why, why do we act passive aggressive sometimes? It's absolutely childish. Yeah. So bad. So good to be aware of, right. Cause it can be, and it's okay to ask for a timeout. Like if you're having a hard conversation, it's okay to say, listen, you know, I, I can feel that I'm, I'm getting ready to uh, kind of shut down or I am shutting down. You know, can we just take a little bit of time and then come back to this conversation, you know, yeah. but, but when we just step into that passive aggressiveness or avoidance or any of that, it, again, it just doesn't serve us or them. Yeah. Um, and I think a really, uh, good thing to be aware of and to think of if you're running away from something of like, if you feel this need to run away, to avoid, to be, is to stop, to really think about it. And to, if you're not ready right now to communicate that, because I think communication is everything in relationships. Yeah. Um, 95% of what we're upset about is just a misunderstanding or a lack of communication. And so if you notice on the other side that you're on the receiving end of avoidance and passive aggressiveness and silent treatment to say, instead of, accusing and criticizing of like, why are you ignoring me? Of like, it seems like you're really upset about something. We should just talk Um, and really talk through this and and how, what can I do to help you? And if you're not ready, if they're not ready, just giving the space, but communicating Mm -hmm. that yes, there is an issue. And the more you avoid it, it's still going to be there. You can put it it away. (laughs) Does not go away. And the longer you wait, what I always say, the longer you wait, the harder the break, but the longer you wait, a lot of times, the more things fester and we end up making a mountain truly out of a molehill. Sometimes we do have mountains and yeah. we don't need to create more of our own because we have plenty of, of times that we do have to struggle to the mountaintop and we need to go hand in hand together. Yeah. But creating our own heck is just not worth it, people. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. <laughs> So another one of the four horsemen is contempt. And that one is, it's really just being mean. You know, it's treating people with disrespect. Maybe it's mocking them, using sarcasm, calling them names, um, you know, or even eye rolling, right? And and so it's kind of, it's an attempt almost to make the person feel despised or worthless. Even if the, even if the person who's doing the contempt isn't doing it, oh, I, I want to make them feel despised or worthless or just hurt or upset that's still what, what ends up happening. And so, you know, so it might, it might be kind of, uh, would you say that it's just me? Yeah, it, it is. So it might be like, oh my gosh, you're tired. Well, prime river. I've been with the kids all day and you know, you, all you do is you come home and you don't do anything. You watch TV. I don't have time to deal with another kid or, you know, so it's just very, very critical and very, um, yeah, like you said, it's just pretty mean. And this was actually really interesting when I was doing a little bit of research on this. It was it was saying that research shows that couples who are contemptuous of each other 
are actually more likely to suffer from infectious diseases like colds and the flu. Really? And, yeah, that it actually weakens your immune system. Makes sense. Um, what yeah. the body keeps the score and what is inside will come out, right? Yeah. You know, really, I think we've all been there. We've all done this and we're acting out of a lot of times it's not really anger. When you peel back the layer, we're acting out of hurt or we're acting out of disappointment, but it's, it's our pride coming up because we're unwilling to humble ourselves and actually have that discussion or step into, and really even self, maybe we don't even know why we're angry or that we're hurt, but it's that unwillingness to step in and really um, discover what the real problem is and just put that wall up and be angry because it's easier. And so we're here to tell you, you can do hard things and doing the hard thing almost always in life is the best, yeah. the, better, the better thing. Mm. Well, you know, the other part of that too, is that a lot of times contempt is fueled from long simmering negative thoughts about that person. And you've heard us talk, at, talk on here multiple times, you know, about the importance of our thoughts. Right. I know that okay, you've given some homework for some of your, your clients before, as have I, that you know, they're what they're supposed to do that week is write down, you know, a couple three things every day that, that they appreciate about their partner, right? Three things of, of, of gratitude, appreciation. And so really checking those thoughts, where are we going mentally? We know that our thoughts will, will influence the way that we feel. It directly impacts that. It does. And it's, it's what St. Paul means when he says to take captive our thoughts and to be renewed by the renewal of our mind. If we continue to think bad things, it will come out yes. we, what comes inside will always come outside. So let's talk about the last one, which I think is just human nature um, and something to really be aware of so that we can ward against it, but it's, it's becoming defensive, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think whenever you're accused of something, the natural tendency is to put your walls up and to say, but, 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 but let me plead my case, hear me out. Right. And so the first step I would say is how you come to people and you can say anything you want. It's how you say it. And if you come as in an, in an accusation mode, it's probably not going to go well. And, you know, I'm always learning and working on this one. Um, especially with a strong personality of like, you yeah. don't really know and getting curious instead of accusing is going to help on the, on the flip side of the defensiveness. And then on the receiving end, getting yeah. curious and being like, they're, they're actually just the way they're delivering. This isn't the best, but maybe asking a question. So let's give an example of that. Yeah. So for example, you know, maybe the question was, you know, did you call Betty Sue? I'm going to let them know we're not coming, you know, we're not coming tonight. Like, like you promised you would do the defensive response would be, Oh, well, I was just too darn busy. In fact, you knew how busy it was. Why didn't you just do it? You know, kind of flippant versus a non-defensive response might be something like, oh man, shoot, I forgot. I should have asked you to do it this morning because I was too busy. You know, that that's my fault. Let me call them right now. Right. And so there's an admittance. It takes, it takes humility to not be defensive. And on the flip side and delivering that, when you show up and say, you probably still haven't called Betty Sue, like assuming the worst because you never do. That's going to automatically put someone on the defensive. Right. And it's, we really have to think about, it's not what you say. It's how you say it. And Mm -hmm. you can literally talk about anything in the world. If you do it the, in a kind, loving way that you actually seek to understand and make progress instead of you being right Mm-hmm. and having to win, right? There's no winning and fighting. When you're fighting 
or disagreeing. I don't even like the word fighting, but it's really whenever you pit tit for tat, the only person that wins is the enemy. That's so true. Yeah. That's and like so I said, true. the enemy and the only person we don't want to win is the devil people. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I love how you touched on that. Just again, just getting really curious. Right. So rather than coming in an accusatory mentality or an accusatory tone, if what if we did assume that they meant to do something, but something came up? What if we actually assumed there was a good reason why they did what they did or didn't do what they what they said they would do? What if we actually went into it saying, "Hey, you know, you know, I, I thought you said you were going to use. Is everything okay? You know, just just getting really curious curious about it versus versus accusing." it sets up a totally different experience for the person on the other side. And I think any of us who've been on the other side would rather have someone be curious versus assuming they know what our motives were or why we did or didn't do something. Yeah. And make no mistake. We've all been on both sides, period. And we will all continue to be on both sides, but hopefully we do it better and learn and become more humble and more aware through all of this, you know? And so I think a lot of times um, we tend to project onto other people what they did wrong instead of trying to look internally and say, you know, what are we responsible for? What could I have done better? And and maybe you're even in a situation where um, let's just take a, let's take a really hard situation, like an affair. Let's say you're married and your spouse has an affair. Mm-hmm. You're, of course, your human tendency is like, well, they cheated, but perhaps you have been so hard. I'm not, I'm not justifying the affair in any way. It's wrong. It's absolutely yeah. not okay. Not acceptable, but let's look inside and say, what can I take responsibility for? Maybe I have been making his life miserable when he comes home, complaining every day, gaslighting him and saying like, you know, the re- you're the reason I'm so unhappy and you haven't provided for me like I wanted, or I don't know, I'm, I'm just going, making this up as I'm talking, but you know, what responsibility do we have? And I'm not ever justifying saying that because I've not treated him as kindly as I should have, that I pushed him into having an affair. Free will made that decision and it's never okay. But saying, how can I take responsibility in this and what can I do to get better? Um, it's just something we all need to do. So good. I literally just had a conversation with someone about this recently because we were talking about um, how how easy it is when someone in a relationship does something wrong, like an affair. Okay. It can be so easy to say, well, it's 100% their fault, right? That I had no bearing on that. And, and I think it is, I think it's 100% their fault, but also 100% yours. It's not 50, 50. It's 100. Yes. And I think it's, it's, it's interesting because something from Again, talking with with different counselors and here learning, I have several friends who are counselors, and I love picking their brains on things. And one of the things that they were saying was, it's fascinating how the tendency is is again, if you've been on the other side, is to just one hundred percent blame. But they were saying what's been what's interesting is in a relationship, if you're also saying, you know, okay, and what also did I play a part? in this. Obviously everyone has free will and we are responsible to choose the good. Right. And again, this is not to justify affair. This is not to justify wrongdoing ever period. Right. But what we want to offer is just the idea that in pretty much every relationship, right, there's two people, it takes two to tango. And so really getting curious, is there something on my side 
that I could have done, could be doing, could be working on, could be, you know, and, and we're not saying wait till, wait till something gets that bad in a relationship. You know, we're not saying what we're saying is just part of the beauty of relationships is that you are working on it together, you know, and, and there, you really can't get laxed on working together in relationships. Um, you really can. And I think, you know, something for us to really just think about and recognize here is that, um, we all are going to have crosses. We're all going to have good times in our relationships and we're going to have challenging times. And every time you're in a challenging time is an opportunity. Always. It's an opportunity for you to grow in virtue. It's an opportunity for you to grow in patience and humility and all kinds of other things. But instead of saying like, this is, this is terrible. This is awful. I hate this, which is our human tendency to really lean into that and say, father, what do you want me to learn in this? And how can I be molded and shaped and grow to become a different version of myself and better and, and point more towards you and to die to self and to grow in love mm. and to do more charity. How can I be better through this cross? Because remember it's almost always in the crosses and in the tougher times that we become better people. Yes. And guys, you know, if you're in one of those seasons right now, just, you know, our hearts are with you because, you know, both them can, I've been through different seasons where there is the cross gets heavy you know, where things get really painful and things can be it's wrinkles are earned people. <laughs> it's true where things are challenging, you know? And, and so uh, I think we just want to really offer just that, that encouragement that there, even when you're in the valleys, that, that God is doing something good in it. Sometimes you can't see that during that. And we, we know what that's like. And sometimes the worst thing in the world is to have someone come in, God's doing something great in it, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, I want to punch you in the face. And yeah. instead of, you know, having it when someone sit with you and just cry with you and, and be in that, that hard space with you. Um, but once you're, once you're out of that, it is amazing to be able to look back and then be able to see, whoa, okay. Wouldn't want to do it again. But I, I can say that I am grateful for this and this and this that came as a result. And I think just recognizing that um, when you do have disagreements, as we all will, um, that remembering my dad has always said to us, you can't unring a bell. And I've said plenty of things that I wish I could take back, but just really thinking before you speak yeah. and it's something I'm always working on and um, you can't unring a bell. Like when you say like some marriage advice my dad gave us when we first got married, he was like, you're going to have great times and you're going to have hard times. Yeah. And the D word is never allowed never. because when you say divorce, now it's on the table. Yeah. No matter what the D word is like, it's not allowed. It's not even in your vocabulary. And I, that was such yeah. a wisdom because you, you have times that you're like, this is amazing. This is awesome. And then you have times that you're like, what was I thinking? I'm like, this is terrible. Right. And that's just, no. <laughs> And they're probably thinking the same thing, but yeah. I think we live in this culture of like growing up with Disney fairyland princesses and like, you're going to get married and then it's going to be happily ever after. And I would say that we have a great marriage and I'm crazy about Will, but let me tell you people, Cinderella ain't real. She got it all wrong telling you there's happily ever after because happily ever after doesn't actually mold and shape you into becoming better people. It doesn't actually unite you. You don't have to cling to each other in the hard times. It's not, it doesn't serve you. Mm -hmm. And so just knowing and acknowledging, yes, we will have disagreements and going through those together, working through them, not just abdicating responsibility, but going into them is actually mm -hmm. going to make our relationship better on the other side mm -hmm. and knowing it's really for you. Yeah. And as we learn to do it well versus accuse and manipulate and criticize and avoid 
then we will make that progress faster and we will make more progress. We will go faster and farther than we ever would if we're doing it all a way that doesn't serve us. So good. We're made for relationships. You guys We're made, you know, we are made for to be in relationships with people and that's part of the beauty. And so because of that, we also learn, need to learn different skills, you know, to be able to have hard conversations, to be able to work through challenging topics and circumstances and situations. We all have different experiences in life. We have different backgrounds. We have different ways that we were raised. We have different, you know, thoughts about things. And so really learning to approach one another with curiosity and empathy. And that can be true in a marriage. That can be true in a dating relationship. It can be true with parents and child. It can be true in a business, you know, setting just in all the things getting curious versus, you know, really do digging into those four horsemen, you know, those, those just do not serve any of us in any capacity for anything. We're all guilty. So totally. Let it start going. So (laughs) All right. Well, learn to fight well, and you're going to learn to disagree, but to do it with purpose and to seek to understand. And we hope that you water your grass with where you do disagree this week. And we will see you next week on Girl Water Your Grass. Bye. Bye.